Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast presented to you by CE. My name is Jack Kaufman. I'm a customer assurance manager here with CE. Disclaimer, all information in the HVAC Tech Tips Podcast is intended for licensed HVAC professionals. All electrical, mechanical, and plumbing work should be performed by licensed trade professionals only. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast. Today's episode is on economizers, and I have Joe Bryant with us today. Joe is one of our customer assurance managers on the tech support team. And over to you, Joe. Hey, Jack. Thank you, sir. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the economizers on our rooftop equipment that we have. Seems to be quite a bit of um, apprehension on the part of the technicians and also kind of like a, a mystery, a big mystery. So a lot of what we do is try to fill in and get that little bit of confidence built in the technician because simply uh, your economizer is just a mechanical device to uh, give you some assistance in what you need to accomplish for your building. Uh, first thing we always recommend and the first thing we all do is we get reference material. Uh, we have references available for you. First thing you should do as a technician is try to get that installation manual for the economizer. It has a layout of everything you need depending on how you're going to set the economizer up because there are quite a few ways you can do that. The other thing we do is we have our CEMATraining.com website. If you go there and select the commercial HVAC videos, you're going to be able to get some, some short, quick videos to watch that kind of help supplement what you're reading and kind of get you familiar to get your head on straight. We have the Micrometal Economizer installation, which basically is our uh, Economizer X or Economizer 10, which has the, the uh, J controller. Uh, for Honeywell, which is the W7220, and we also have it for the vein, the new vein axial indoor fan units. Uh, a little bit of uh, same thing, but a little bit of different application for that unit. And again, with the literature there, you've got everything you need reference-wise to be able to actually get this thing installed correctly, because the first thing you're going to want to do is verify, hey, do I have the correct one for this unit? That information will help you determine that. And then also, once it's installed, to go ahead and do the setup. All of the economizers need, need a little bit of setup, not, not too much because you can weed through the book on the parts you don't need, you won't be applying. So it's pretty cut and dry once you do a few on a regular basis. Your economizers have two functions. Uh, one, it offers you free cooling when you have a mechanical cooling rooftop package. And that gives an economic uh, addition to the equipment as far as operation. The section function that it's used for is to provide air changeover requirements to meet the code specifications for your fresh air. A lot of buildings are engineered and you have specs for that installation of what the unit needs to do. And with the economizer, you're able to accomplish that depending on the area it's taken over as far as what specifically the unit is taken care of in the area as far as any type of process or production. And then also for a headcount, for the amount of people you have, you want to keep the indoor air uh, quality at a satisfactory level for occupants. So what this allows you to do is to set that up specifically for that. 
Um, currently now, Carrier has three variations of your economizer packages. Uh, we have what we call an economizer two. It's used when your building is controlled by a building automation system, or if we have comfort link controls for the eye view or system view. With economizer two, we have all the working components of the economizer, but there is no controller because the building automa uh, automation system or the comfort link or the system view is actually going to do the controlling of the economizer. It's set up in the programming. So we don't have a controller on the economizer two. The economizer four, uh, which uses the Honeywell W7212 controller, uh, we use that on a you see that a lot on equipment, especially the electromechanical. Um, you will see that. It's a little black box, and it has the adjustments down the center with the free cool light, and it has the selection switch at the bottom for the ABCD. The third and last one that we have is what we call the Economizer X or the Economizer 10. Now, it uses the Honeywell W7220J controller, and that's where you have the Honeywell uh, LCD window where you've got a display and it has a menu and set up. Uh, we use that when we have some of the newer equipment, the 48 LCs, if you have an econo uh, economizer or if you have the staged air volume where you have the BFD drive in it, you're going to see this Honeywell J controller. So as far as the layout of what we have, those are the applications and those are the ones that we offer. And again, you're going to want to get the installation uh, information specific for it because it does walk through and give you all that information. It throws a lot of information in there, which, of course, is for any application because Carrier can't establish each individual job. So they've got the information there to arm the technician with the details they need in regards to installing us specifically to what they're doing at that job site. Um, your economizers have, all of them have four options for changeover on when you're going to say, use the economizer, use the outside air. Uh, the first one is simply your outdoor air changeover for dry bulb temperature. That means it's looking at, the, the economizer is looking at the outdoor air and saying, I want to change at a specific temperature, say if it's 65 or 60. Uh, the second one would be your outdoor enthalpy changeover. Uh, of course, your enthalpy is looking at not only the dry bulb, but it's looking at the heat in the air, which is your total, basically, heat content. So it's making that decision that's a little more specific in making that changeover than simply dry bulb. The third option we would have for that would be called a differential enthalpy changeover. You have a sensor outside that is looking at that total heat content. And they have one in the return air system looking at the actual area. And the system is set up to when it's the most optimized in regards to the temperature inside and out with regard to the enthalpy that's making a decision. Now we can use the outside air. It's better to use that versus the mechanical. We're getting some benefit out of it. <clears throat> then, of course, the last one yeah, that we use for the changeover is your CO2 changeover. And what that does is that's looking at the indoor air quality, basically, and making a decision, hey, we're getting stale air or bad air. We need to operate the economizer and get that air changeover. A lot of times that's used if you have uh, a building where you have possibly offices 
conference centers, things of that nature, that's the most obvious application to where at times you may have three or four people and other times you may have 150 to 200 people. That atmosphere is going to change drastically and the CO2 monitors will react to that and understand what's going on and then of course it initiates and allows you to use your outside air. That, that pretty much covers that application in regards to how we make them switch over and say, yes, we can use the economizer or no, we're not going to. We're going straight to mechanical cooling only. The economizers are only used in uh, cooling. In heat, uh, they're not utilized except for minimum position set settings, and that's it. Uh, if you have a safety that were to take it out, say a smoke, or something of that nature, they shut. Everything shuts. It's designed to shut down so that we don't have natural air circulation because when you have a smoke situation, you want the fans and everything to stop. And that damper, outside air damper, will close completely even though you have it set up for minimum to eliminate that potential from happening. So did I miss anything in regards to that, Jack? No, I think you're right on point with that, Joe. Um, a lot of it, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of freak factor when guys say, oh, my gosh, we've got an economizer here. Um, and that's understandable. Uh, you, you, you need to get yourself aware of what's going on with it. And the literature is the biggest start and the most benefit you can get. Um, all of us CAMs, we still use that because we've got that baseline we need to go back to to figure out where we may have a problem or actually even confirm sometimes we run into, well, someone didn't actually install it correct. They don't have the correct components. And this is our reference. Everything is there. Takes a little bit to get used to the terminology. But for the most part, everything is right there to help you to get that installed properly and also get it set up to where it functions. Um, a big change that we saw uh, as far as economizers they were pretty much, year, not too many years ago, you installed it, plugged the wires up, and cranked it up and let it go. Well, that all changed in 2017, the first quarter of 2017, the Department of Energy changed some criteria on the air, and Carrier had to adjust to that just like all the other manufacturers, and part of that was actually doing testing to where the last test the carrier does before each of these economizers goes out the door is with the CO2. Well, when you use CO2 uh, as far as testing and or setup, you have to use uh, the adjustments on it. So when they get done with the testing, they just don't put everything back. They just disconnect, box it up, and send it out the door. The only small problem we have is a lot of, lot of technicians were used to just plugging it in hitting the go button and walking away. When you do that and you're using just dry bulb changeover, what you're going to notice is, especially in the heat, they may not notice it when they first start up in cooling, but especially in heat, your dampers, outside air dampers, will stay 100% open even in heating, and they're supposed to be at minimum position. Um, a simple change into that that we found um, was actually adjustment on just two two components the dc the dcv minimum and the dcv maximum 
and what that does is we need to just adjust those to fully counterclockwise and then we need to verify the setting on the minimum position but we do run into that on a lot of jobs uh, i know you probably have also too jack oh yeah now we, we get a lot of calls on that where you know so but uh all of these out of the box the economizers they do need to be set up a little bit some of them more than others depending on how you're having to change over but each of them needs a little bit of adjustment and even if they did not the standard practice which is good uh, just to save the technicians you should always walk through even on the j controller when we have the economizer x walk through the configuration and make sure that the defaults that are plugged in are going to be uh, okay for your application. No one's going to know that except the tech on the job when he's setting up the unit. And uh, in regards to um, your minimum position setting, it's a lot of confusion on that. A lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll kind of eyeball and say, okay, that looks like about 20%. Uh, there is a way to actually accomplish that. And again, that is in the installation manual for the system that will walk you through. The easiest way to do it, especially with your outside air, there's a little bit more steps involved with some of the others. Uh, but one that we see the majority of installation application for these, whether it's the J controller or the economizer four, is using outside air. So to get that minimum position, uh, we're going to set this up. Uh, what you would actually do is you're going to take a temperature readings. Of course, you're outside air, uh, and then you're going to take your um, return air temperature. There's a formula, and again, this is in the book. It's going to help you set up to where it's going to be exactly where you want it to minimum position. And you're going to get your outdoor air temperature. Uh, the percentages of what you need, as far as a lot of job specifications, may tell you 20%, and quite a few could be 25%, or whatever that specific is for that building that you're using and the area that you're applying this unit to. You're going to get that percentage, and then you're going to look at your mixed air also so that you can set this up. Uh, one example is if you're required for a 10% out outdoor air during occupied positions. Um, it's going to be your outdoor air temperature happens to be 60. We're going to use this. We're needing 10%. We're saying our outside air temperature is 60 degrees. The return air happens to be 75. There's a formula that you can plug it into. And um, to just to let you hear it, you can get, again, it's in your installation. It's your uh, outdoor air temperature times your outdoor air percentage plus the return air temperature times your return air percentage, and that's going to equal your mixed air. So basically, you plug your percent requirement in the formula, the outside air temperature and return air temperature, and when you do that calculation, it's going to give you that mixed air temperature. And then what you will do at that point is with that mixed air temperature, if you're above or below, you will adjust your minimum position more or less to get that specific for those conditions and then you have the correct percentage uh, that 10 percent in your formula uh, if you have 10 percent that it's requiring for outdoor air then of course 90 percent 
is going to be the return error or what's coming from the area. So that's the percentage in that formula. And it does kind of explain that a little bit in there. That sound about right on touching that uh, correctly, Jack? Yeah, that's a, I'd, I'd say so. You're right on point again. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> again, it can be confusing a little bit, the terminology. The good thing, again, about the reference to material, whether you get it on, if you go to your CE app and pull it up, you can get it from that, use it on your smartphone or your tablet, or even going to the website. Um, you're able to locate information. Uh, it gives you the definitions, one, which is the first thing, so that you kind of can figure out what they're talking about. Your demand-controlled ventilation, that DCV minimum, DCV max, that's actually your demand-controlled ventilation, which is utilized when you're incorporating the CO2 monitors for your indoor air quality. Enthalpy, uh, understanding what that, that is. A lot of us went through that way early on in, in our training, in our start into the HVAC industry, and basically it's your total heat value. Uh, depending on what you did, where you went with it, a lot of commercial industrial people um, would use uh, that more so than the residential. But still, you need to be aware of it because it does have impact on what we're trying to do as far as heating and cooling. One thing, just like any other feature. One thing I was going to say, Joe, with that, that yes, formula sir. where you were just explaining that, sometimes you, you may see that written in a different way. Where, like in the manual, you know, you're going to see it with the abbreviations of the the TO and the the OA. Good, yes, sir. But that, yes, sir. That, that tends, I know, to confuse some of the text on the calls we get. But I have, right. the, you know, written for, you know, they don't have that abbreviation. It'll just, you know, say your outdoor air uh, multiplied by your percent of out, outdoor air, vice versa. Where sometimes, just depending on the technician, it looking at that, it it makes the formula look harder than it really is, I might want to say. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, um, not doing it on a regular basis, it, it tends to uh, take a little bit to, one, get familiar with that terminology, and then also to get that comprehension after you've done it a few times, it starts to flow a little better. And uh, that, that awareness that each tech tends to gradually build uh, is going to make it to where these, these economizers aren't so mysterious. Yeah, the other thing I'd like to add is uh, we, we get a lot of calls um, just about the, the green light for free cooling um, where, you know, that light will be on and um, that light can actually be on whether you're calling or not. Even if you don't have a call for cooling, the way it's uh, your economizer controller is looking at the outdoor temperature or the enthalpy, um, with those conditions are met, whether you're calling or not, that light will be on and that is normal. Correct. Yeah, we. I know I've gotten calls probably just like you that uh, technician would call and say, hey, my free cooling light's on and my dampers are open and we're running in heat. It's like, okay, you have a problem. Something's not set up correctly or something of that nature because in heat, again, you're not utilized except for minimum position. And uh, the light can be on, but your damper should only be either closed if there's a fault somewhere taking the system offline or it should be just your minimum position. But Jack's absolutely correct. Yeah. You may not be actually asking for a demand if you're in the cooling, have it in the cooling mode, but it's going to be on. The light will say, we're available. If it asks for Y1 or your first stage cooling, 
we are going to use the economizer. Uh, and that's another thing that uh, we run into also, speaking of that. A lot of times we'll have um, some calls to where they say, I can't get my mechanical running. You know, we're, we're calling for cool and it's getting hot in the area and we can't get the mechanical to run. I can jump it and everything runs fine. Uh, what we found out, what the systems do, if you have a mechanical cooling unit that just has one stage, you've got one stage cooling. If the economizer function is added, now you've expanded the, the actual capacity of that unit. You can have two stages of cooling in the economizer mode. And what a lot of technicians will not do is when they add that economizer in, they never wire Y1 and Y2. You need that Y2 from the thermostat going to the unit. Even though it's a single stage mechanical cooling, that is expanded on when you have an economizer to where you need that Y2. In economizer cooling, your first stage, when Y1 comes in from the thermostat says we need cooling, those signals, Y1 and Y2, are routed through your control in the economizer, and it says, can I use outside air or can I not? If it can, your first stage economizer cooling is the blower will, of course, be on, and the, and the dampers for the outside air modulate to open. That's your first stage economizer cooling. Now, if that can't, that can't keep up with the area, Y2 will come in from the thermostat says, hey, I need second stage cooling. The economizer is going to see that and say, hey, now I need second stage economizer cooling. Second stage economizer cooling is even though you have the outside air dampers open and running, it's going to send a signal and bring on the mechanical cooling. Now, if you have two stage mechanical cooling, it's only going to bring on the first stage, not the second stage when you're in economizer mode. But in economizer mode with the single stage mechanical cooling unit, first stage economizer cooling or dampers open, blower on, second stage is mechanical cooling on also so that you have 100% operation of economizer cooling. Trying to keep that as simple as we can as far as how that works, that's the gist of, of the operation. And, and again, quite a few calls to where the Y2 was not hooked up from the thermostat to incorporate the full capacity of what the economizer can do. Can do. And that's, that's quite understandable to miss that. Anything else, Jack, that uh, we've missed possibly? There's, there's a lot more we could talk about as far as demand ventilation and and things of that nature, but I think uh, this is this is quite enough here to actually uh, get the guys started on the right foot. Yeah, I think uh, we hit on all the basics and some. Um, you know, one thing to remember, guys, is you know that economizer is there for a reason, and and you know some of the things going on out there. If you know the inflation and price increases of things, and you know when I was out in the field, you know a lot of jobs you would go to that you would find the economizer just bypassed not in use. So you could also use this as a selling opportunity for your, your company, your employer, um, where you, you talk to the building owner and uh, you get that thing uh, working again. Um, even if it means replacing the economizer where, you know, the word economizer, it's economy, it's, it's going to save that building owner money um, to use the aspect of free cooling. So you have anything else, Joe? 
Um, that's it <clears throat> that, that I can think of. Like I say, there's still quite a bit. One common thing that may help the technicians after the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, when, uh, when you're putting in a lot of times equipment, if you were to get it factory installed, that adds on to the lead time that you're able to get the equipment in. So the majority of, of dealers will order the base equipment and order the accessory economizers, which a lot of the techs will see. Uh, when you connect it, there's always going to be a plug to where you, uh, it's, it's actually always PL-6. There's always a jumper plug that comes on the unit that basically allows the unit to run right out of the gate if you do not have an economizer just like normal. When you install the economizer, you take half of that PL-6 jumper plug off and plug the economizer plug into it. What, what you should always do is try to hang on to that jumper plug. Uh, recommendation is zip tied right there to that harness that way if you were to ever have an issue with your controller or something to where you needed parts you could simply separate that plug and that jumper plugs hanging there put that back in and then at least you have the unit operational as far as full mechanical cooling so that's that's a nice little thing after the fact after startup or a year or two or three years later if you have problems it doesn't keep the unit down, and you don't have to do a lot of extensive jumping and, and uh, crazy things inside the controls that you got, got to remember, okay, what did I actually do? Or you go in behind another technician, and you have to think, okay, what did he do to get this running? So it's just a simple little thing if you can kind of program yourself to remember, I need to hang on to this and not just toss it in the trash or for down the road for service purposes. Well, guys, I think uh, we've uh, hit everything we can on this episode. If you'd like to reach us, we can be reached at cma.techtips at carrierenterprise.com. For any further HVAC training interest, visit our training site at www.cematraining.com. Once again, www.cematraining.com. We have many free resources on there for you. And thank you for listening and have a great day.